The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. The church at Smyrna was a persecuted church. In the first half of this message, we were introduced to the problems that the church faced and began to see some basic Bible principles that they needed in order to stay encouraged. Today, in the second half of this introductory sermon about the letter to the church at Smyrna in the book of Revelation, Elder Buddy Abernathy focuses upon a little parenthetical that means so much, but thou art rich. He shows us that the riches that we have in the kingdom of God are not riches of this world. They're not material things. They're spiritual things. And we will soon see that it's those spiritual riches that will encourage us in times of trouble and persecution. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
here here's a little side point have you noticed how so many people are distracted with some future kingdom that's going to come sometime in the future in between now and when we finally get to heaven you know one reason that satan likes people to believe that is it distracts you from the present reality and it distracts you from what we should anticipate with joy that is yet to come you know what it, you know most people that believe that there's this dispensation coming that's different from now and it's going to happen this side of heaven most of them are not comforted are they most of them are uneasy most of them are wanting to make sure they're prepared to be a part of it satan loves distraction he can't get you to sin he'll just distract you that happens to me all the time if he can't get me to uh, read something ungodly instead of the bible he'll just distract me you know he he'll he'll take whatever ground he can it's not all or nothing he'll take any ground you'll give him or that he can take from him. but i want you to see this this letter was written in the first century. And the writer said that God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Is there any question as to what time period is the last days? It's not something out there in the future. The last days in a plural sense is simply referring to the last dispensation. That's why we can say that 2,000 years later, we're still in the last days. Now, the last days will end with the last day. You look that up sometime. Look up the expressions in your concordance. Most all of us can have instant access with our phone to a concordance. Look up the expressions last days and look up the expression last day. I think there's, there's only one exception to this that I remember but last days, when you read it, it's almost always obvious that it was going on at that time. As a matter of fact, John said in his first epistle, he talks about the last days and what will happen. And he goes on to say, whereby you know that it is the last days. You know that it is. John said that in the first century. So... The church is what the Lord wants you to focus on until the last day because that is presently what is going on in our lives. I was talking to an individual not too long ago and was concerned because they were all caught up with 
the last days and not even really able to focus on the church. So Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He is the first and the last. And we'll not refer to other verses on this next phrase for the sake of time, but it's making a similar point. It says in Revelation uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead. He was crucified, as far as his body was concerned. As far as everybody could see, he was dead. And is alive. And here's what Jesus says to the church. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. And then look what he puts in parentheses. But thou art rich. You know, if, if we take advantage of what's available to us spiritually in God's kingdom, we can enjoy riches in a spiritual sense regardless of our circumstances. Notice what their circumstances were. He says, I know your works. I know you're being faithful. That's what I meant earlier. Even though we're not going through what they went through, that should let us know there's no excuse for us not being faithful. He says, I know thy works in tribulation. There's that word. I know you're under pressure. You're in a tight place. And I know your poverty, but thou art rich. Now let's look at a couple of portions of Scripture that address this. See, some people focus on the riches of this world, but that's not what Jesus is referring to. Look, first of all, in uh, Luke uh, chapter 12, and I'm going to just read through this quickly so you'll understand what's under consideration. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. You know, here's somebody in the presence of Jesus and look what their mind's on. Lord, make sure my brother divides the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Jesus said, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And Jesus is saying, I don't care about that. He says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Remember this next part of the verse. This is what so many people's problem is today. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things. You got any things? A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now we know Jesus is speaking truth whether we act like it or not. He said, your life, and he's not talking about your physical life in the sense that you're breathing and your heart's beating. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about 
the meaning of life, the meaning of life for a child of God will not be found in the abundance of things you can acquire. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, isn't it amazing how false religions will say, if you if you'll focus on rich, if you'll focus on the Lord, you'll get riches. That's not what Jesus is saying, is it? Jesus is saying to this man uh, that you need to focus on the Lord in order to get spiritual blessings, not focus on the Lord in order to get material blessings. Now, God may be pleased to bless you materially. You know, when Solomon was about to when he was entering into his work as king, he said, Lord, give me wisdom to go in and out before so great a people. And the Lord said, since he, I'm putting this in my words where you'll, for the sake of emphasis, the Lord said, since you prayed for the right thing, I'm going to give you riches too. Why? Because he knew Solomon was not covetous. So being a Christian doesn't mean that God will not bless you in a material way. As a matter of fact, look at the children of Israel. As long as they obeyed the Lord, look at the abundance they have. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of America if we indeed seek the Lord first. You know, it can be to our great advantage because I can sit in a recliner and have time to read the Bible. You know, I've read some of the autobiographies of preachers in the past and they didn't have the time available that we do. And I remember reading about old Elder Walter Cash and how he would leave home. and You know, he traveled on horse and he didn't know how his family was until he got back. He had to farm all week and then travel in whatever weather conditions there were. And he traveled a long way to preach at churches. And sometimes they didn't receive any financial assistance, but they were faithful. Now notice here, this, this man, uh, he, he was focused on storing up what he had, but Jesus said, your soul is going to be required of you this night. Mm-hmm. Me and Brother James were talking about Social Security this morning, about when you should start drawing. Well, the problem is you don't know when you're going to die, do you? Oh, I'm going to wait till I'm 67. That's when you can get the most. Well, you may die before you're 62 when you can start drawing. <laughs> but this man, his whole focus and priority 
was laying up riches and he was not rich toward God. Now, let's look at the positive side of this in Matthew chapter 16. Remember what Jesus told the church at Smyrna? He says, I know your poverty. I know your physical sufferings, but you're rich in a spiritual sense. Now, I feel especially impressed to emphasize this to the younger people here today because notice what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 16. This is so practical and relevant to all of us, but especially when you're starting out your life as an adult. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now I'm going to use Brother John Morgan as an example. The Lord's blessed him to get a law degree. The Lord's blessed him with intelligence. And the Lord's called him to preach. They're expecting their first child. You know, this is, this is really applicable to his life right now. Notice what Jesus says. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. What if he was to say, and I know of preachers that have done this, that man, I, I want to focus on being a lawyer. Now, later on, when I get, you know, 50, 60 years old, I'm going to retire and I'm going to focus on the ministry. That's what he means here when he says saving your life. See that? It means that here's what I want to do. It means you're, you're viewing the Lord's will as losing out on something. You're never losing out when you do the Lord's will. You know, I was talking to Brother McNeil Honey few months ago you know and he's not even 20 years old yet and he's intelligent like his father and it was originally his plan to be a doctor but he realized that I guess he's observed how hard it is for his father to be a minister and a doctor and he and now here's an 18 year old going to Sanford University and he said my main concern is that my career will not interfere with my ministry. How many 18-year-olds would even think about that? But see, evidently, whether he's thinking about this verse or not, that, that's what he's talking about. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever, watch this, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. As ministers, and this doesn't just apply to preachers, but as ministers, we've got to say, Lord, I'm going to prioritize your kingdom and then to whatever degree I need to supplement what I receive from the churches to support my family, that's what I'm going to do. And that may be hard to do sometimes. You know, we want to be successful in our secular career. Matter of fact, that honors God when we, uh, when we are diligent about our labor. 
So I know preachers that have had a hard time. They've said, well, if I take this promotion, I can't dedicate the time to the ministry that I would like to. But you see, all of us have to lose our life in this world, so to speak. I don't mean give up everything. We're talking mainly about priorities. We've got to lose our life in order to find it. And I don't... I don't set myself up as a great example, but doesn't it make you feel good when you at least can say, hey, I've tried that and it's true? <laughs> I like it when I can say, I tried what that verse says and it's right. I may not have done it all the time, but I know that, that when, the, when the Lord dealt with me, it has always been my desire to prioritize what He called me to do. And yeah, you think... I didn't really go anywhere as far as my college degree is concerned, but look what you enter into. <laughs> you know, that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The abundant life is in the kingdom of God. You know, the psalmist said, thou hast given me a, 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 an heritage among those that fear thy name. He said, Lord, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. That happens when you put the Lord first. When you put Him first, the lines will fall in pleasant places. Not only will you be able to put the church first, but the Lord will provide for you a living that you need. That takes faith, doesn't it? You know what faith is? Faith is saying, that's what God says, and I believe God's telling the truth, so I'm going to do it. That's what faith is. It's not some complicated thing. Now watch this. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now notice the context here. He's talking about a man losing everything meaningful in life. And that will be very evident as we go on. What does a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, in the book of Proverbs, there's a verse that says, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Yeah. You know, I try to think about that sometimes. That You know, Lord, we're just living in this little simple house. But I'm happy. Amen. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, uh, what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now watch this. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, think of this in a very practical way. Now you may say, well, that doesn't sound like old Baptist preaching, but watch this. If you've lost your soul, Jesus says you can get it back. What are you willing to exchange to get your soul back? Aren't you glad you can get it back? This is not talking about you lost your eternal life and now you're getting it back. Jesus is saying you have lost the meaning of your life. You're, you're, you've, uh, you've, uh, you've sought to save your life, not your eternal life. No, you've sought to save your life and you've lost it. What are you willing to exchange to get it back? What have you pursued 
that's caused you to lose your soul. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So think about what he's saying there in Revelation. You know, sometimes it's easy to overlook those little points he makes in parentheses. Unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they're Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. If you didn't get anything else out of what I've preached, there's two points I want you to remember that will really be helpful. First of all, remember that point I made about the last days. You look up that phrase, last days and last day, and the next time you're in conversation with someone and they start getting so distracted with, oh, are you ready for the last days? You say, well, let's see what the Bible says about that. You know, the, Bi the Bible does talk about the last days. Let's see what it says. And maybe you can help them get refocused. And the other thing, remember what Jesus says in four words in parentheses, but thou art rich. You can enjoy those riches no matter what you're going through. And if we can be that way as a church, then when we meet together, we'll be able to encourage one another in that regard. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.